Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Welcome back, friends. Happy Tuesday. I hope you're having the best week. We are thrilled to have you joining us here in season four of the Good Question podcast, where we are talking about practical tips for Christian living. Last week, we started with the basics, establishing habits of daily prayer and Bible study. And today we are moving on to talk about a lifestyle of personal worship with worship leader and vocal instructor, Bethany Easter. I know you're going to love this one. Before we get started, I want to say hello to all of our new listener viewers who are joining us on YouTube. That's right. If you didn't hear, we are now on YouTube with video. If you or somebody you know prefers to have a visual for what you're hearing on the podcast, come join us there. And if you're watching right now on YouTube, thank you and welcome. Our first three seasons do not have video, but we hope to have the audio of those episodes available on YouTube soon. If you're wanting to hear more Good Question before then, go check us out on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast players. There are hours and hours of great episodes waiting for you, all ready to get you thinking, spark conversation, and let you know you aren't alone. Let's get to today's episode. Here is my conversation with the lovely and anointed Bethany Easter. Bethany Easter, welcome to Good Question. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm really excited. Yes, me too. We got to meet uh, in person briefly recently when you came to Tulsa and did an awesome choir clinic. I wasn't able to be there for the whole thing, but I really, really enjoyed um, the time that I got to spend sitting in the alto section and hanging Mm -hmm. out with you on a Saturday morning. It was really fun. I loved your energy and your personality as you were helping us and teaching us. My mom and I had to leave early and we were talking about it in the car. We're like, she's just like, cool. She's just mm-hmm. genuine and sweet and, um, but knows her stuff. And so that was, it was really fun to get to, to watch you do your thing. Um, so tell us a little bit about who you are and then we'll jump on into the rest of our questions. Sure. Um, so yes, I'm Bethany Easter. I am originally uh, born and raised on the East coast uh, Virginia. And I lived there my whole life up until I went to Bible school. So after I graduated high school, I mean, I knew, I knew in my sophomore year that I wanted to go at the time it was called Gateway uh, College of Evangelism. And I knew like the corral had come in uh, through Virginia and I saw, I was just like, yes, I want to be a part of that. Um, so as soon as I graduated high school, I went straight to uh, Gateway and I, so I was there for four years, three of those years, uh, it was gateway. And then my senior year, it transitioned to Urshan, Urshan college. So I was there for the last year of gateway, first year of Urshan, which is, I think kind of cool, you know, that not is many cool. people can say that. Um, and here's, what's funny. And I just like need to own it. It is what it is. <laughs> so <laughs> I went, 
I went for four years. Okay. And when you go to, um, uh, higher learning like that for four years, you typically graduate uh, with a bachelor's. Well, I did graduate. I did graduate, um, but it was with an associate's. So I had, uh, <laughs> because people are like, what, what's your degree in? And I'm always like, eh, I just got a degree in music. <laughs> whether it was a bachelor's or whatever. But yeah, it was an associate's degree. Um, I think like, I was like short two classes. I didn't do oh, super, no. super hot and like two, like two classes. But obviously I had, you know, within those four years, I had everything that you would need for an associate. So it was just like, well, I'm graduating like with something, you know? So that's um, crazy. I know. And I, I told my mom, I was like, I'll go back. Cause she'll randomly bring it up and be like, yeah, you went four years, got an associate. <laughs> um, and I'm just like, originally, I was like, I'll go back and finish those two classes, like two two classes. Um, and it's been about like nine years, and I'm pretty confident I won't go back. <laughs> I'm doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but after I graduated from Urshan, I stayed there for the summer and then I moved right away in December of 2013 to Nashville, Tennessee. And that's where I currently still am. Uh, I am the music minister at my church. Uh, my pastors are Curtis and Carla Burton and they're, I'm, they're amazing. I'm really, really blessed. I'm just really blessed. <laughs> I've traveled quite a bit. Um, you know, you're blessed. You know, I love the long stretch. Um, but I, I always remind myself, like, I won the lottery when I uh, was able to serve at my church in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, the turning point with the Burtons. So that's where I'm at. Um, so I work, I'm on staff at my church part-time, and I'm full-time as a nanny. With okay. Three kids. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Five-year-old boy and twin girls that are two. So, and yeah, I was with them when oh, they were Oh my goodness. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. So it's, I have a seven-year-old yeah. and one two-year-old. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think back over the course of this day, if the two-year-old had a double. <laughs> yeah. It's, it can be, it can be challenging but it's also nice that they are mobile. Well, it was easier when they weren't mobile. Like when they were just, <laughs> you just plop them down. They um, stay where you put them. Yep. <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you turn your back and they've rolled to the other side of the room. Um, but now, I mean, they're good kids. I love them. I love them so much. And uh, it's just fun. Every day is uh, an adventure. I bet. Oh my goodness. Wow. So music minister, nanny, and then you travel quite a bit, you said, and you, I, so I've, before I met you in person, I had seen you on YouTube in like every apostolic music concert <laughs> <laughs> recording. Uh, yeah. I'm like this girl over here, she's clearly like directing these, these singers on what she's the one who knows what's happening next. Yeah. Um, who is this girl? And then when sister Longstreet said you were coming to Tulsa, I was like, Oh, how fun. Um, yeah. so tell me about some of that. What's some of that cool stuff like that you've gotten to do? Sure. Uh, when it comes to recordings, I think the, like the other day I counted, I think I've been a part of 11 live recordings. 
Um, now, granted, I am counting um, Urshan's live recordings. We did one yeah. every year. So, I mean, if you take those out, what's 11 times four? I mean, wow. <laughs> what is 11 minus four? Uh, 10, 9, 8, 7. <laughs> I've done uh, seven, yeah, seven live recordings. Um, I would say since 2018. I've done seven since since 2018. Um, the first, I, I, I think it's a privilege to have been a part of, in my opinion, the one that kind of started it all. The one that, you know, was the snowball, started the snowball effect of the apostolic, you know, re-emergence. Um, so James Wilson, he and I both went to Urshan. We went to Urshan together. He was there my senior year. Um, I don't think a lot of people know that, but that's where I met him. And we, you know, worked closely together in the music department. We were in the ensemble United together. And so he was just always super talented. And after we graduated in 2013, well, after I left, we both left in 2013, you know, fast forward, we still kept in touch, you know, phone calls, like every, you know, couple months, maybe twice, three times a year. And I would see him at events. So we, we continued that friendship. And then um, in 2017, we uh, both were able to sing at Youth Congress together, like on the official team. So that was my first time in 2017. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't just a singer. I wasn't just an alto. I was actually... So Aaron Curtis was over all of the music. He was like the face, right? Um, he was the music director. And then he he's also from Tennessee. And we had worked together before. And he called me up and he was like, hey, you know, would you be interested in singing alto for Youth Congress? I'm like, um, is my name Bethany? Yes. <laughs> uh, and then sometime later, he called back and was just like, hey, in addition to singing, would you would you be the vocal leader? Would you be over vocals? Would you, you know... Um, arrange some of the parts because you know with some of like contemporary christian music there can be songs like hill song hill song song that's like two parts right right and so i would have to take that and you know make it three parts or you know just maybe rearrange some things um and so he's like would you do that would you be over vocals over the practices teaching all of that giving signs and i was like sure you know so i that was the first time i think james that wasn't the first time we'd worked together, but that was the first time where he, I think he saw my capacity to lead vocals mm-hmm. and, you know, be a vocal leader. So that following year in 2018, he reached out and he was just like, Hey, I'm going to do a live recording and I want you to be a part of it. And not only that, I want you to lead the vocals. So I was like, cool. cool. <laughs> so, um, that was in 2018 and right, you know, right after that, I mean, 20, of course, you know, the pandemic happened, but he still, he had his second live recording in 2020. I think it was, um, maybe the first week of September, either last week of August, first week of September in 2020. So that was my second. And then it was just boom, 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 snowball effects. You know, Mark Crowder reached out, same, same situation, same vocal lead. Um, and Charity Gale, I, I had worked with Charity before in 2017. I was on one of her projects. It wasn't a live recording, but you know, we had a friendship. And so it was so funny because in 2021, I had two back to back 
live recordings. I had Mark, uh, or no, I had Charity one week and I was just singing alto. Um, and then the very next week was Mark's. So I was like, um, and then in April of, of 2021, David, David Jennings, same thing, singing alto, leading uh, alongside with Jessica Di Giovanni. Um, and things kind of slowed down a bit. This year, did things slow down? Um, <laughs> I don't remember if they did or not, but <laughs> Lawrence, uh, a guy named Lawrence Trump, we just, you know, I just did his record his live recording in May in Eureka, California. So, I mean, I think it's been kind of like word of mouth because the only people that I had, you know, I would say friendship before I worked with them was probably Charity and Charity, James and David. And David, again, our friendship stemmed back from, he also sang on the team for Youth Congress in 17. So, I mean, it's just been, you know, the snowball effect, I guess, word of mouth. Um, and yeah, and this year, uh, there's a couple more live recordings, like yeah. in two months, I'll be, you know, two or three months or so. I don't know. I'd have to look at the calendar, but I'm doing a Draylon Young's live recording. Um, and then I think there's one more, but I, it hasn't been announced yet, so I can't say anything. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, just been, it's been awesome. And I love, yeah. I love helping others reach their goal. You know, mm-hmm. I've had, I can't even begin to tell you how many people have been like, when are you going to come out with an album? When are you going to do a live recording? I'm just like, I feel fulfilled right now doing this, you know? Yeah. Um, if it happens, it happens, but it takes a lot of money. It takes yeah. a lot of energy. Yeah. Do your own. So if you don't have the passion deep within you to sustain you when you get burnt out, then it's just mm-hmm. like, you're setting yourself up, right? So. Yeah. I'm, I feel fulfilled yeah. doing what I do. Yeah. That's really cool. I just, I'm thinking about the verse about your gift making room. Mm. And, um, I mean, you're talking about being, being lucky to be where you are, being blessed to be where you are, winning the lottery to be where you are. And I'm just thinking we would, we all feel that way when we're in the will of God. Yeah. Like oh, yes. whenever we're walking in, in our calling and our gifts and what mm. the place where God has called us to be, we all will f- have that feeling of like, I, I got the best gig that there is. Yeah. Um, because it's the one God intended for you, right? Mm, and when yeah. you're out of sync with that, there's never there's not that feeling. There's that longing for something else. Grass is greener somewhere else. Right. Um, feeling. So I, I love that. I think that's, I think that's um, something we should all be kind of analyzing in our lives. Like if I'm not content here, Hmm. Am, am I out of sync with what the Lord is wanting me to do? Like kind of, kind of figure out what we're, right. what we're doing. Yeah, right. for sure. That's pretty cool. So you've done all these really, really awesome things. And it's like, I can see the excitement and it's exciting for me too. We, we just did a whole season on apostolic music. And so we got to talk to some of the people that you were, that you were mentioning. We got to interview Mark Crowder. Um, we, I joked around with uh, Gabby Thompson about, uh, if there was an apostolic music, um, like background singers underground, like you guys were like all in group text. Cause I kept seeing your faces on all these different calls, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. All <laughs> different videos. And we were kind of joking about it, but it's cool because you're right. Like word of mouth connections, networking and, and being in the, in the places where God is positioning people, um, is all part of it. And so that's, that's really fun. 
Um, Mm. but whenever, so like I said, you came to Tulsa and you did a service for our church on a Friday night, which I was not able to be there for. And the, the minute my mom and I walked into church on Saturday morning for the choir clinic, Sister Longstreth came up and she said, oh my goodness, you missed it last night. You had to hear, you got to find the recording of Bethany talking about having a personal place of worship. And um, it like went ding, ding, ding in my brain because I knew I was getting ready to start this season of the podcast um, talking about practical everyday practices for Christians, things that we think of as like, oh, that's not really a big deal. Like singing on all these recordings, that's a big deal. But a personal practice of worship is something we can easily overlook. And so I wanted to talk to you about it and hear your thoughts. I want to, instead of going and finding the recording, I want you to preach the message to me today. (laughs) No, not preach it to me. I want to talk to you about it. So what does that mean? What does it look like? And why is it important? Um, To have like a personal walk with God and time that you, you know, just to, um, when it comes to worship and making it personal for yourself, you know, I'm not the first person to say this, so, you know, I can't take credit for it, but what does worship mean to me? Right. I think it's synonymous with the word sacrifice. Mm -hmm. You know, you think of Abraham, right. In Genesis 22, I believe, you know, he, you know, Lord told, tells Abraham, you know, I want you to sacrifice your son. And, it, you know, Isaac was his promise. And in, and that I'm sure was just like, wait, the very thing you promised me, the very thing you, you gave this to me, you want me to give it back? You want me to mm-hmm. sacrifice? And Lord's like, yeah. And so, you know, as the story goes, Abraham, Isaac, and they had a servant with them. They were traveling to the mountain. And so when they reach the mountain, Abraham tells his servant, Hey, stay here, you know, with like the donkey, you know, me and the lad, we're going to go up and we're going to worship. And Abraham knew what he was going up to do to sacrifice his son. And so for me, those two words oftentimes can be synonymous worship and sacrifice, whether that's sacrificing my time, whether that's sacrificing my energy, you know? Um, so worship isn't, it's not, uh, it's not necessarily a song. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's something we walk in, you know, mm. it's not, you know, this is, and I, and I, I get it when people use the, the phrase, you know, praise and worship, or, and then we'll do offering and then we'll do this. Well, worship is not something that just you clock in, clock out. Like I said, mm. you, you move in it, you, you live in it. And so for me, it's definitely been, something that daily I've had to, you know, remind myself, like what I'm doing, what I'm watching, where I'm going, what I'm wearing, what I'm thinking, is it pleasing to God? Hmm. You know? Um, And a lot of times worship isn't, it's not, uh, it can be, but it's not always comfortable. So if it's, um, if it's, you know, I'm going to do it, I'm going to have a season where I don't, I don't listen to anything anything that's secular. And when I say mm. secular, I mean the sound of music, uh, you know, <laughs> like uh, Frank Sinatra, right? You know, um, 
and so I know for me, like I, I had felt the, the need to kind of go into a season of that. And that is worship too, because mm-hmm. I'm sacrificing, oh, you know, the holidays are coming up. And I'm one of those people, I play Christmas music all year round. It doesn't, <laughs> there is no <laughs> like worship Christmas time. <laughs> like it's all year round. Um, so like, I'm literally about to put up my Christmas tree um, and play music. But it, it would be convenient for me to get in, the, in that mood and be like, oh, I just want to, you know, play some, some, you know, Bing Crosby or, but it's like, no, I'm going to set some time aside. And in this season, it's going to look like this. I'm not mm-hmm. going to listen to, to this. You know, I was joking with a friend, <laughs> joking with a friend the other day. Um, my, my season of, of that in particular is almost up. And I was just like, girl, you know, joking. I was like, when, when my season is up, like it, uh, have you heard the phrase like turn up? <laughs> you know, I was just like, I'm about to turn up with some Nat King Cole, you know, I'm, like, I'm about to just, when my, when my time is up, you know, I'm just gonna put the windows down and play some Louis Armstrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, worship, worship looks like, uh, whatever you're sacrificing, you know, is worship because going back to that word sacrificed, sacrifice rather, um, there's an illustration of submission. There's an illustration of yielding my will for yours. That mm-hmm. I think, I think if I had to define worship, that's what, what it would be. Worship mm-hmm. is uh, sacrifice, comma, uh, yielding one's will to the will of the Lord. And whatever he's called you to do, whatever he wants you to do, and you do it, that is worship. Wow. That's, that's, um, it's a, a mindset shift mm-hmm. because I think we do tend to, or I, I know that I do, you compartmentalize it into even like, um, the time of the day, whenever I do my Bible reading and my prayer and then incorporating some sort of worship, worship as we like you were saying with a song or with a, mm. you know, a, ta- a, a section of the prayer that I pray is dedicated mm. to worship. And then I get up from that space and I go and I, me, I put in my headphones and I turn on my news podcasts and my, even mm. my podcasts that are like talking about spiritual things. Um, but it's just the thing that I do during the day that is comfortable, is fun. I enjoy and nothing is wrong with it. I'm not convicted about it. It's not like it's a sin. Um, but to say to myself, okay, I'm going to give up this thing that I love to do right. for this period of time mm-hmm. as a sacrifice of worship. Yeah. And it's it's similar to fasting, but it's not this, exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, it's... I, I mean, I would I would say... Like you are fasting, but when like I like I know what you're saying. I I mean we because of social media and everything. Like you hear people going on social media fasts, and I think to fast something is to abstain from it. However, right. 
biblical fasting, or I think fasting that is um, essential to the Christian walk is fasting that involves food, you know, Mm. or or types of food, because our body needs that, right? Our body Mm -hmm. needs food. And so, um, you know, not, not to downplay anyone who has made a commitment and be like, yeah, I'm fasting social media. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Like as if you're healthy in my mind, I'm like, okay, try fasting food. Like that's <laughs> really hard, you know? Yeah. It, there's a whole other level to it. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I mean, it, it, it's a type of fasting, but it, yeah, it's, um, but it's deeper. It's deeper. Than yeah. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do you only, so you're talking about worship, as as a lifestyle so you have this this type of sacrifice where you set aside a time that you are giving up something that you enjoy as a sacrifice to the lord mm-hmm. but when that's ending that doesn't mean that your lifestyle of worship is ending so right. what are some other ways that you're incorporating this mindset into your work into your daily life into your relationships mm. Well, I've, I've prayed, uh, when it comes to like my relationships, like God, you know, I want your love to be manifested through me. Mm-hmm. And so in my friendships and my relationships, again, sacrificing, yielding my will to someone else. So it could be, you know, uh, being extra accommodating, <laughs> You know, like, hey, God, I don't want to be so easily offended, you know, in my prayer mm-hmm. time. I could, I've prayed that so many times. And when I have a chance to be offended, I am just like, I'm going to yield. I'm not mm-hmm. going to take that bait, whether it was offered intentionally or unintentionally. I'm going to mm-hmm. yield. And mm-hmm. that's worship. So that right there is not, you know, hopefully it's not something you're only doing for a season. So, I mean, there's right. just... Because of because I'm looking at worship through that lens, there are things that are, you know, uh, that are sporadic when it comes to like, you know, giving up the Louis Armstrong and the jazz. And then there are things where it's just like, I need to work on this Christian discipline. I need to work on being more Christ-like. And being more yeah. Christ-like is, again, the sacrificing and the yielding. I decrease so you can increase. And mm-hmm. so that's where it's a lifestyle. Um, yeah. Making sure, you know, I have prayer time. I worship even Bible reading. I've been convicted here recently to really hide the word in my heart. Um, I when it, Wow. When it comes to Bible reading, you know, I look at the people in some of these war-torn countries, you know, most recently, you know, in the news you hear about Ukraine, but, you know, there are other places outside of Europe, you know, places in Asia, Africa, you know, South America, all over the world where there are Christians who don't have the luxury of having a smartphone, don't have the luxury of, you know, having a tablet. And maybe they had to, evacuate their home quickly and didn't grab their Bible. Well, Mm. what's going to sustain them? What would sustain me if I had to do that? If I had to leave quickly and I couldn't grab my Bible, if I couldn't grab my, or if I, even if I did grab my phone, but I didn't have a charger, 
you know, mm-hmm. well, the word of God, you know, so the word of God, I was convicted doesn't need to be something that I just read. It needs to be something that I can quote, something that I can recite, mm-hmm. something that is rooted in me. And so it's, it's a, I didn't make, I, I have to be very, very careful about making like these grand commitments. Like I'm going to learn five verses a week. I'm going to learn five verses a day. You know, like there are some weeks where like, I'm not home. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm out. I'm on the road. You know, I'm touring um, or I'm at a conference. And that's not to say like, like I, I should, you make time for what you want to make time for. I get that. But, <laughs> but you're also a human with limited capacity. <laughs> exactly. I mean, sure. Yes. <laughs> I want to give myself some grace. But I've been convicted to, you know, memorize the word. If it's a verse yeah. a day, if I miss a day, I don't beat myself up. It's okay. Um, and just getting, you know, uh, no cards and just going through them. Yeah, like I was a Bible quizzer for nine years. So I'm not, <laughs> I have to retrain myself. Like I'm not going over these verses uh, every day to where like, if I misquote it, it's like, Oh, I got to do it again. Like sometimes I do, but I don't want to have that Ugh, feeling, you know, like right. I'm not going over it to quiz against, you know, right. with anyone else. It's for me. Yeah. Um, but it's helped tremendously. It's helped. Yeah so much. So I think sacrificing time like that, uh, continually. Now that's not something I want. That's not a season. That's yeah. something I want to keep, Yeah, you know, as a theme in my life. So yeah. that's another way. Yeah. I'm thinking about this. Um, and it's convicting me. You're talking about becoming more Christ-like And, you know, I have two small children. And so over the past seven years, I've done a lot of reading of um, Christian moms online that write about motherhood and, um, and what it means to disciple your children and Mm. how to, you know, how to find grace and give yourself grace and grow in grace as a mom. And one of the things that um, has really hit home to me and that I struggle with mightily is that, Jesus was very interruptible. Mm. Mm-hmm. He yeah. did not mind being interrupted. And as a mom, I'm interrupted all day long. And I do mind. <laughs> I do mind a lot. And it's very frustrating sometimes. Um, uh, my work, my focus is interrupted. My sleep is interrupted. My, mm. you know, eating is interrupted. And it's it's one thing to say, okay, I need to be more Christ-like. I need to respond to these children with grace and with patience and with kindness and love. Um, but it's another thing to think to myself, choosing not to react out of the way I feel in that moment and choosing to react in the love of Jesus, that's an act of sacrifice and worship. That's a yielding of not my way, but His way. Right. Um, and I've talked about this on the podcast a little bit before, but the Lord and I have been <laughs> in a tussle yeah. uh, for the past couple of years around these issues. And there have, there have been, um, there's been lots of struggle 
with me not, and I, and I can see it more clearly all the time. It's with me not wanting to yield mm. the way I want things done, the way I want life to go, the way I want these children to behave and react. Um, and it's a, it's a yielding of myself that is a fight. And so yeah. sometimes worship is a fight mm. and surrender is a fight with our own flesh Right. Um, to say, God, I'm going to do this the way you want me to do it and not the way I want to do it. And it's hard some days. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree. And I think what you said, it's a fight. Uh, that's a good, it gives me a good visual because in order to yield, uh, you know, and, and I think in order to yield, I see there being, um, the presence of resistance, you know, initially. Right. And, and so I think when, like my definition, right, of obedience and submission, they're, they can look similar to an outsider, but they are very different to me. Like obedience to me is just like, oh yeah, like I agree, like totally. I can, I can get down with that. Submitting though is to, I don't agree or I don't see eye to eye with that yet, comma. Yeah. I will. And so I think that's why it does feel like a fight because you feel that resistance naturally. And then the yielding part is the willingness, the actual um, uh, intentional saying, okay, I yield. I could yeah. fight, um, but I yield, <laughs> you know? Uh, so yeah, I I yeah. like it. Yeah, and the yielding the yielding to the to to the Lord is not the same as giving up and being like whatever. I'm just going to mm-hmm. lay down and let life run over me. Right. And I'm not and I'm not going to try anymore and I'm not going to um, right. It's saying I'm I'm surrendering to what you want me to do. Even though, and this is where I've been. So like, for example, um, with, with, a, with young kids, it's very hard to get through a whole service without having to get up and leave. Right. And it has felt like over the past maybe six months that it'll be like right when something majorly important is being taught, right when I feel like this is exactly what I've, I need to connect with right now, and then I'm up, have to uproot myself, take out a screaming kid. And then I'm like disconnected from what's going on. And part of me wants to be like, no, I got to fight through this to get what the Lord has got for me in this mm-hmm. service, right? I got to fight through and ignore the noise in the nursery to try to get the video and still stay connected to the service or whatever. Um, but in doing that, the attitude that I have about it is resentful towards my child. It's frustrated with my position. It's angry a lot of the time, honestly. And so I'm having to realize like, no, what I have to do right now is yield to this. Like the Lord mm-hmm. is not surprised that my child is screaming. In the middle right. of service. Right. Like, like there's nothing happening here that I'm missing um, that the Lord is not going to make up for me in another way what I need to learn right now is how to surrender 
yeah. uh, what I think I need to be doing for what he actually has for me to do right in front of my face. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, in those feelings that you feel, I would think like, it's okay to feel those things. Like, uh, you know, and it feeling, feeling those things means we're human, right? It doesn't mean right. that we're like a bad person or wrong, you know, they're right. Yeah. Right. Um, but then it's, it's the, it's the submission. I think true submission, it's an act of love. It's like, yeah, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. I would rather still be in service and my child still be asleep, you know, <laughs> under the, under the chairs. Yeah. I'd rather, you know, yet. Yeah. You, you've blessed me with these children. They're in the house of God, you yeah. know, it's, it's a mindset shift. And even with that, you know, that's not going to always take away the, right. the you know, not so great feelings because they're normal. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And you ha- and in that moment, surrendering to God and surrendering to what the, the situation is at the moment, but also not letting the shame come in of like, oh, a good mother would just willingly get up and... Mm-hmm. Like, no, (laughs) that's all just, that's all just shame and lies and things that are trying to make me feel worse. So separating that out and then saying, no, I'm gonna, I'm Mm gonna follow and I'm gonna submit and I'm gonna surrender. Yeah. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. It's all worship. It's all (laughs) worship. So what would you say is the impact of having this mindset on, on our work for the kingdom. What does it mean for our work in the kingdom if we can implement this kind of mindset and this kind of personal um, posture of worship? And what does it mean if we can't or we don't try? What, uh, what does it mean for the kingdom? Yeah. Well, and this is where I guess it could potentially get controversial, I think having a mindset, having the mindset whether or not to have a place of consecration and worship in your personal life and, you know, on one hand, and then your effectiveness in the kingdom, to me today, you know, and I prefacing, I'm willing to have a conversation with anyone who disagrees. I'm willing to have my opinion change. But today, I feel like those things don't always correlate. They, they're not always connected. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because we have a lot of people who are effective in ministry, who are effective, you know, to the kingdom of God, but they don't have a personal place of worship. You know, mm-hmm. um, I once heard uh, someone say, I think, I want to say, I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, It might've been Bethany Jennings. Bethany Jennings might've, I think she said this where it's like, you look at a spatula, right? And a spatula is good for about like one or two things. (laughs) And if you're just uh, a worn out, you know, outdated spatula, I mean, you're still useful. You're not broken. You're still useful, right? But if you're a spatula and you're plated with gold, you're not only useful, but you become valuable. Mm. And I think um, your value, your true value is you only you and you alone are going to know or see that. Um, 
so I want to say it's in Corinthians, first Corinthians. And I, and I know I had read this passage, I'm sure before, but my dad actually preached a message um, called tears in heaven. And basically in this passage, it talks about how, um, that there's like two judgments. You have the judge of the unsaved and then you have the judgment of the saved. And obviously the judgment of the unsaved, like that's really easy. Like, is your name in the book of life? Like, no. Okay. You're in the lake of fire. You're in hell. Um, and then the judging or the judgment of the saved though, uh, we're, we're given a glimpse of what that will look like. And scripture talks and it says that everyone's works will be tried by fire. Everyone's mm-hmm. works, those that are saved. Um, and it says that your works that you did here on earth, they will be manifested. Uh, they'll be manifested in either gold, silver, precious stones, or they will be manifested in, uh, it will, your works will take on the manifestation of wood or hay or stubble. And so it's going to be tried by the fire. And if your works uh, can stand the fire, can stand the pressure of this fire, you will receive a reward. Um, But scripture says, if your works are burnt up in the fire, it says you will suffer loss. You'll still be saved. You will still go to heaven, but you will suffer loss. And so my dad's message, Tears in Heaven, was just talking about how you know, when scripture says he'll wipe away all our tears. Well, if you're in heaven, why are you crying? Mm. And he, my dad painted this picture. Well, there will be people who are in heaven who made it, but they're going to be crying because they will be suffering loss at that. Huh. And you look, you look at those two different groups of manifestations. You have gold, silver, precious stones. That's in one category, wood, hay, stubble. That's in another category. Well, where do you where do you find wood, hay, and stubble? You find that you find that on the surface. That's on the surface. You don't have to do anything difficult to. Oh, here's some wood. <laughs> here's some hay. But where do you find the gold? Where do you find the the precious stones? It's deep. That's that 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 that's deep. That so I think sometimes you can do the right thing for the wrong reasons, and everyone else may be like, oh wow, that person's stacking chairs. Oh, man, that's great. But in your heart, you're like, oh, pastor's here. Let me go do it so he can see me do it. You did the right mm-hmm. thing for the wrong reasons. And God sees that. And your work will be manifested and will reveal such. So I think um, we have a lot of people who are effective because we need, we need. I mean, we can all agree, we need people stacking chairs. And if I'm hosting something uh, and I need chair stack, I really don't care why you did it. I don't <laughs> no. just need it done. You're, you're, you're being, <laughs> you're being useful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But your value that will supersede heaven and earth, you know, that, that value is going to be tried in fire and mm-hmm. taking it into another direction when it comes to how important is it to have a personal, you know, place of worship and consecration in your life and, whether or not that's connected to your effectiveness in the kingdom. Well, again, we have a, we have a lot of lost people serving in ministry. Mm. They're effective, but they're, they're, they're lost. We have a lot of every Sunday across our pulpits, we have a lot of backslidden people who get up on the platform, who get behind pulpits 
and preach the house down and, and lead us and sing and play and teach. Um, so I think, I think you can be really effective. I, I think it varies from person to person and it's based on their capacity to either, you know, how, how do they manage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, their internal identity with their external identity. Yeah. And, it, and you have some people who are better at it than others. And so some people that, you know, everything's on their sleeve. Like you, you can just see if they're having a bad day, you see it. Then there are others when they're having a bad day, they're good. They're great at putting on a face. I mean, how many people do we know of in, in, in years past where they were preaching revivals and so many souls were being saved under their ministry. And then you find out, Oh, that person, they've been having a, an affair for eight years. They've been cheating on their spouse. Yeah. Well, <laughs> clearly, the, you know, this person did not have a consistent, right. <laughs> you know, <personal laughs> place of sacrifice and yielding to the Lord, but they were still what we would call effective to the kingdom. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think when, you know, upon hearing that initially, it's like, oh, it's, it's directly related, but I don't, I don't think it is to an extent. Yeah. 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 But, but yeah, because the anointing makes up for so much and the gifts of God are without repentance. And so the gift and the anointing can take over and you can be used. I mean, we, we joke about it, but like the Lord spoke through a donkey, right? Like he can, he can use anything. He can use anyone. Um, But the damage that you do to your own, soul and then the damage that you do to your reputation Mm. because i think about these in that sort of situation where yes there are people saved under these ministries and people mightily touched but when the truth comes out how many people then are plunged into doubt are plunged into confusion and are are hurt deeply wounded right in their spirits because of the trust that they placed it in you and you weren't consecrated in your personal life. And so therefore, yeah, yeah, it all, it all comes back around. <laughs> I mean, it's so important for, for you, you know, I mean, cause I think of Paul, you know, he's one of the, the great apostles in the scripture. Even Paul knew his effectiveness in the kingdom was not necessarily you know, a gauge by which he could measure, you know, inwardly. Cause you know, he said right. in scripture, I keep my own flesh under subjection lest after I preach, I myself become a castaway. You know, mm-hmm. he's not saying I keep my own flesh under subjection so that I may have the ability and the effect and the effectiveness to preach. You know, he's like, no, like I am preaching. I'm seeing results. I, I am being effective, but I still have to do things in my personal life that other people don't see in public, but I am keeping up with in private. Lest after I preach, lest after I minister, lest after I'm effective in ministry into the kingdom of God, lest I myself become a castaway. So, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> That'll take somebody into some deep contemplation. Yeah. Uh, and some deep soul searching, which I think is what we need. We need to 
we need to be thinking about what's actually true in my life, what's actually mm-hmm. real in my relationship with God. Because you and I both know that when you get into places where you are functioning in a ministry capacity, even if that's just that you're taking your kids to church and you're serving as an usher and you're on the cleaning schedule or on the nursery schedule, we can get into a flow of just doing the work right. of God and not be truly personally submitted to him. And so I think it's um, it's important for us all to think about. I would agree. Because mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, I said this before and it sounds so harsh, but if people make it to heaven under my ministry, through my ministry, whichever, if I can aid people into making it into the kingdom and I then end up in hell. I'm sorry, but that's where I feel like it's appropriate to be like, I don't know if the word is selfish, but it's kind of like, for me, it was in vain. It was in vain. I'm glad you made it. I'm glad that I was able to minister to you, but at what cost, at what expense? You know, yeah. I lost, now I'm in hell for eternity, you know, or yeah, yeah it's just, yeah, it just even goes to show going back to the passage in first Corinthians. I, I, I mean, I could be, I think it's first Corinthians chapter three. I could be, I could be so off, but, um, that even goes to show that making it to heaven isn't even enough. You know, huh. I don't want to just make it to heaven. I want Cause I, I don't want to go to heaven and still suffer loss. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not okay with that. Yeah. So, and, and neither should you. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and ultimately we're the only person we can take is ourselves. Right. Like we're not responsible at the end of the day for anybody else, but ourselves. Right. Um, it's all we have app. That's all we actually have control over. So we got to make sure that we're right. And we're doing what's right. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, I will be thinking about this for a while. This is going to be one of the ones that goes over and over in my mind for a long time. So I really am so grateful for you bringing these thoughts for us to think about, because that's what we're all about, is thinking about the deep things. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Is there anything that you wanted to say that I didn't ask you before we go to our final question? I think I'm good. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> well, our final question is always the same. We are called good questions. So we like to ask all of our guests, what is a good question that you are asking yourself lately? A good question. Well, I've been on like this health kick uh, with just trying to watch what I eat. Um, and what's, what's wild is, wh- my question is this, why is it typically that the food that tastes amazing, the sugary stuff, why does that um, affect us more negatively, right? Than the, usually the more bland food. Like, and I know that there are going to be people out there, no, healthy food's really good. Like, okay, <laughs> I, hear you, I hear you, but not, <laughs> not generally. Not generally. I, or, or rather, I should say the food that is generally like, so delicious and sugary 
is the stuff that you typically need to limit. Like no one's saying, hey, you better not eat too many, you know, apples. You better not eat too too much spinach. It's always, hey, watch your sugar intake. Hey, watch your carbs. And so I've always like, just kind of been like, man, God, why did you do that? <laughs> you know? Why? I'm with you, girl. I am with you. <laughs> yeah. And you, you typically crave, naturally we crave the sugar. We crave the stuff that needs to be, uh, that we need to have boundaries with. <laughs> why couldn't it have been switched? You know? Exactly. Why um, couldn't I, ca- why can't I crave kale? Right. Or why does, why does eating food in general have to like show in our body negatively? <laughs> why can't Ex- something else? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm, yes. I'm with you on that for sure. Why? Yeah. It should be sleep. Like if you don't get enough sleep, or whatever. Maybe people are like, no, don't say sleep, but okay. <laughs> don't get enough sun or whatever. If you, if you don't, what, whatever it is, just why is it food? <laughs> okay. And was this a problem in the garden? Mm. Like before the fall, could we have eaten whatever we wanted and it would never show up in our bodies? I think- is all of this a result of the fall? I think it still would show. Yeah, because not all weight gain is bad. Right. You know? Um, and so I think I think specifically our our punishment, right? Uh, I know pain pain in childbirth. Thanks, Adam and Eve, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's y'all's fault. <laughs> yep. Thank you. Uh, that, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they were eating such whole food. I mean, they were, right? Weren't they like vegetarian? You know? Probably. Yeah. Any animals. So they were eating like super, like raw, whole food. They were living their best life. <laughs> <laughs> but actually... Back before processed sugar. They yeah. didn't know anything about processed sugar. But... Then again, was it their best life though? I mean, yes, yes, it was because they were in fellowship, perfect communion with the Lord. But was it truly their best life? They didn't have bacon, you know? <laughs> they didn't have Jenny's ice cream, brown butter, almond brittle. You know? Oh my goodness. They just, but they didn't know any better. They were living they didn't. in some level of ignorance and that was okay, I guess. <laughs> Oh my goodness. This has been so fun. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about music and worship and sacrifice and food. It's been a a blast. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Y'all talk about an episode to get you thinking and spark conversation. I have so many thoughts swirling around after this one. I am for sure going to be digging into the verses Bethany talked about regarding the idea of making it to heaven, but suffering loss over the judgment of our good works. Wow. I hope you're challenged to think about worship in a new way today. Where is the area of your life that could be offered in sacrificial worship to God? What situation in your life can you shift your perspective to see as an opportunity to surrender your will to His as an act of loving submission? Where are you pushing against God and where can you yield? 
If this episode sparked something in you, I hope you'll share it with a friend and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Come find us on social media to continue this conversation. Over on Instagram, we're at Good Question Show and I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can find us on Facebook as well and you can also send us an email to goodquestionshow at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media. It's produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup. My co-producer, editor, and the man who was about to get an earful of me processing this incredibly thought-provoking episode is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk. That's it for this week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.